G'day there and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on Newstalk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB and this morning uh, we will never be royal and some people who are royal aren't behaving very royally, apparently. Uh, student debt. Uh, how much are we in the hole for? And, and somewhere where there are a lot of students, Dunedin, do they need some more hotels? And we'll finish up uh, speaking about tourists, uh, tourists in space. But before any of that, ah, uh, oh, shame about the rugby. Yes, we lost, but we lost to a side you'd be foolish not to admire. We didn't play badly. We were made to play badly. This wasn't the first half against Namibia or Perth against Australia. Uh, this was an all-black side that got outthought, outplayed, outpsyched. And as much as we hate it, you must never ignore or talk down a better opponent. And apart from anything, it's good for the game. The All Blacks can't win everything, and besides, great teams learn from dark days. The greatest ingredient in any sport is the unknown. The moment you know the result before the thing has even started is the moment sport has lost its magic. And this result doesn't detract from what we think of Hanson or Reed or any of the others who are wandering off into new chapters. The All Blacks remain the greatest team in world rugby. Yes, this particular trophy is now missing for a couple of years, but their status has been done over decades, not individual events. Sad thing for the organisers, that match, of course, Saturday was your final, really, wasn't it? Think about it. I mean, such are the vagaries of the tournament and the draw that anything less than England going on to win it now would not be right and it would not be just. The All Blacks were the team to beat. They're the team everyone wants to beat. You beat us, you're the best. England, how they play, how they plan, how they're coached. That was a study on the night. In absolute perfection. I don't. I, I do have one little problem with the way the All Blacks played on Saturday, and it's spending the entire first half kicking our possession away. I mean, by all means, try it a couple of times, but when you're not forcing any kind of mistakes, not putting them under any kind of pressure, I'm no rugby genius, but I feel like it's not working. Hang on to the ball. Let it go, Glenn ZB. Let it go. Let it go, and let's talk about the royal family. See, I can have the next minute or so off, because I don't care. Not surprisingly, in Britain, the reviews have been very positive, and it's very similar to another documentary, uh, which is also well worth a look, by the way, uh, that was shown to mark his 70th birthday, which revealed a similar view of his world, his outlook, and his hopes for the planet. How he was green before green was even a thing. For all his trials and tribulations, you can't fault the man on service, which is why his other headline this past week has been over his fury... And his two sons who appear not just to have fallen out, but to have dragged the good name of the royal household into disrepute. Harry and Meghan's simpering expose last night shows tragically an example of how generationally we have sunk to a new low. Attributes like resilience, sacrifice and a stoic outlook have been replaced by complaint, superficiality and a wafer-thin ability to weather life. The only advantage Harry has is he's not actually that important. He's not the next king or the king after that. William is. And if Harry has done his brother a good turn, it is to show that he and his wife actually take their role seriously. And the more flaky Harry and his airhead misses look, the more impressive William and Kate appear. And for all those that say, oh, who cares, it's just royalty, that is true, but it comes with constitutional significance. The Queen is our head of state. Britain is inextricably linked directly to us and the Commonwealth. And as such, they play a critical role in this country's history and life. No word, of course, from the Queen, but one can safely assume, given she is at least, if not more, dedicated than Charles to service, she too must be wondering why her Annis Herebulous years are driven almost exclusively by those of her family who simply don't get it or care to get it. The inescapable conclusion from last night's insight is that for some... 
No matter what your advantage in life, it is all about the attitude. Even in the most gilded of existences, misery and woe is still at hand if you don't care to see beyond yourself. So, yeah, Mike referred to uh, Meghan Markle there as his airhead missus. It's probably not quite what she was going for when she decided to become a princess, I'm thinking. Uh, what are students going for when they get themselves into all this debt? Very interesting numbers crunched by the Herald this morning. Uh, there are some people who owe uh, student debts. Big, big issue in our house. So we've got uh, people wandering off to university next year, freaking out about student loans. Uh, $400,000 each is your top number. So you've got um, the top 10 outstanding borrowers, and these are people overseas, and the claim this morning from the Herald is that they're too afraid to come back home because they'll be nabbed at the border. And to a degree, I've got some sympathy with them. I mean, if you get a certain number in your mind, it becomes insurmountable and you think, I'm never going to pay it off, and if I'm never going to pay it off, how do I ever go home? But the reason, in part at least, that it got so big is because you didn't pay it down when you should have. But nevertheless, there are more than 100,000 student loan borrowers living offshore. Top 10 collectively owe $4.2 million, average of 428000 The total loan bill now, $16 billion, which I'm not sure, is that a bad number, $16 billion? Because it's between 92 and 2017. In other words, it's over 25 years. So that's not bad. A lot of people apparently declare themselves bankrupt to escape it. Uh, altogether, there's 1.3 million New Zealanders who have taken out student loans. 1.3 million. So it's a, um, you know... One of them came up the other day and said, Dad, do you know how much I'm going to owe by the time I'm finished? $188,000. And I said, yeah, but look at what you're getting by way of a qualification. You can take it anywhere in the world and you'll be earning a fortune. So go to it. I think she was looking at and, me and to pay she, some of that. And did, did she say then at that point, um, how much did you owe on your qualification that you got? Exactly. I, oh, look, I, I wander around the house all the time. Left at 16, left at 16, didn't have a qualification to my name, and look at me now, and they just roll their eyes and think I'm boring. Yeah, so as Mike uh, mentioned there, he's got uh, offspring going off to be students, and uh, apparently one of them might even be in Dunedin, or at least one, which poses the question, where, oh where, will Mike stay? When he goes to visit, can I just um just ask Dunedin, uh, just generally, if you couldn't wouldn't mind getting your act together in terms of a hotel? Uh, yet again, I'm depressed to read that some bloke came up with an idea of a five star hotel. This happened to be on the corner of Moray and Falul, but nevertheless, it got turned down again. And if you followed the story of hotels in Dunedin, and I sort of have, and I don't know why, but I have, uh, because I've lived in Dunedin uh, for sustained periods of my life, and I love Dunedin. And what Dunedin needs, without a shadow of a doubt is a classy place to stay. Not to say that there aren't people who run, you know, decent motels and there's an odd hotel or two in Dunedin that, that are fine. Don't, don't get me wrong. But what it needs is a major five-star facility. You build it and they will come. And they haven't. You haven't. Dunedin hasn't. Every time somebody comes up, there was, was it Chinese a couple of years ago and they're going to go on the waterfront? Beautiful big five-star hotel. And, of course, everyone's saying, eh, it's too big. It, it appears to me, and, of course, you in Dunedin had your reputation number of people in Dunedin didn't want the stadium built because it was going to be too expensive and no one would use it. And, and, and look at it now. Fabulous success story. Ed Sheeran alone has paid for that stadium 18 times over, for goodness sake. So you build it and they will come. And what you need in Dunedin is a good five-star hotel. Is it height? Is that your problem? Because the latest one appeared to be several stories high. Is anything over two stories a problem in Dunedin? Is that what's holding you back? Get a proper, beautiful five-star hotel built and get on with it. Be progressive or be more progressive than you are. 
I have a personal interest. I have perhaps a child heading that way for university, and I'm just looking for a half decent place to stay next year. So, um, and otherwise, it's really just a, a quick drop in, drop out <laughs> exactly. scenario, isn't it? All the ensuing years, knowing what she's going to study, I'll be visiting Dunedin for the next. Because your ideal scenario is you want your nice sort of five, six, seven star hotel there. That's right. Um, and then you just set up residence, yeah. and then and then your student you're visiting comes and sees you precisely because you don't want to go you don't anywhere want to go, near any you don't want to go down south of Eden. you don't want oh to go to God, Dundee no. Street or Castle Street you want them coming into town on a lime scooter for goodness sake so anyway if you can get on building one that'll be awesome it could be student themed you'd have um, self collapsing uh, balconies and a party on the ceiling like a rooftop bar that becomes a basement bar are these jokes in poor taste they probably are um, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, we'll finish up with some space tourism news. Uh, Virgin Galactic uh, floated on the share market today in the New York Stock Exchange. First um, sort of space company on the New York Stock Exchange and a good day too. Shares trading at uh, as high as 1293, up 9% on the day. So people believe in it. Still hasn't um, taken their commercial passengers into space as yet, but um, they're close. I see Branson's still in the Under Armour space suit. He's got, is that the Under Armour spacesuit, is it? Yeah, they launched it the other day. I've been on the New Zealand, uh, on the New York Stock Exchange floor, and it's a tiny place, it's deceptively small, and I would imagine he would be at about 137 degrees at the moment in a suit like that, so good luck to him, he's had a good day. Well, maybe not, maybe it's just maybe. what you need for maybe. those harsh conditions of the <laughs> of the trade trading floor. He looks comfortable, mind you, his stock's up 9%, why wouldn't he? I mean, I'm assuming he has a whole wardrobe of spacesuits, he just puts on the... Monday one for Monday, the Tuesday one for Tuesday. Uh, and these are the your sort of your smart casual spacesuit. It's not your going out and walk spacewalk one with the full helmet. I haven't seen uh Under Armour's take on that one. Um it seems to have come up a bit of a trope uh, for DJs to be wearing the space helmets. Or is that just on the movies and the sitcoms I've been watching? Anyway, I think uh, Branson's missed a trick there because if he, if he had been going with that and just turned up to everything wearing the space helmet, of course, he wouldn't actually have to go to all the events. He could just send somebody else and they could pretend to be him. I'm Green ZB. I really am. Uh, in spite of the helmet, you just have to take my word for it. And I'll see you back here again tomorrow with more rewrap. <laughs>